The prophet Isaiah speaks words of comfort. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The prophecy of the Messiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time onwards, and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The angel appears to Mary. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favoured one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is a sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans, clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel 
whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labour has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall live secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be the one of peace. We pray, O come, O come, Emmanuel. O Lord Jesus, Emmanuel, we bow the knee in adoration, just as did the shepherds at your cradle. We stand amazed yet again that you chose to leave the majesty and splendor of the throne room of God, to be born as a baby, to dwell among us as a human being, sharing our joys as well as our pain and the trials of this mortal life. With thankfulness that you understand our weakness and frailty, we come before you in prayer for our world. O come, Lord Jesus, Emmanuel, light of the world. Come as light into our darkened world where there is so much pain, cruelty and anguish. Source of light and life, we bring before you all who suffer in mind, body or spirit this day, those dear to us and those known only to you. We ask you to ease their pain and to bring quiet to troubled minds. We bring before you all those who are lonely and may be facing the Christmas season alone those who are fearful today as they face an uncertain future. Draw near to them through the support of family and friends and the church in their neighbourhood. Be with those who have insecure employment or who have no idea how they will make ends meet over the winter months. Those who feel they are treated unjustly May all who suffer know the warmth and light of your love surrounding them and your peace in their hearts. O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, Lord Jesus, Emmanuel, living bread from heaven. Come to those who will go hungry today, those who live in countries far away or just a few miles from here. Strengthen those who humble themselves to be servants to the poor and needy through food banks and through charities large and small. May they be encouraged to know that it is you they are serving. <clears throat> o come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, Lord Jesus, Emmanuel, source of living water, Bring rest and refreshment to all who work tirelessly in our health service, in the care sector, and those who are carers at home. May they be strengthened for their daily task. 
bring the water of life to parched lands where crops will not grow, to communities whose lives and livelihoods have been decimated by conflict or severe weather events, to the displaced and to the refugee. O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, Lord Jesus, Emmanuel, come to your world as King of the nations. Cause humankind to prefer peace over conflict. Help us to share the earth's resources fairly. Bring an end to the devastation and suffering of war. Eternal source of love and truth, fill the leaders of the nations with a desire to serve their people with kindness and compassion, with wisdom and wise judgment. O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, Lord Jesus, Emmanuel. Come to us as our saviour. Come and do not delay. Give new courage to your people as we trust in your love. By your coming, raise us to share in the joy of your kingdom on earth as in heaven, where you live and reign with the Father and the Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. And now please join with me as we say together the words that our Saviour himself taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. The birth of Jesus. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Angels bring news of great joy. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. 
To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favours. The shepherds visit the Christ child. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what they had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or the will of flesh, or the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. I'm going to pray. Uh, living God, loving God, would you send us now, we pray, the help of your Holy Spirit to enable each one of us to receive the word which you speak to us in Jesus our Lord. Amen. 
Well, dear friends, it's very, very good indeed to be with you uh, this afternoon. I'm immensely grateful to Mark for his invitation uh, to preach. It's lovely to be back at All Saints or uh, back at All Satins, as my computer autocorrect uh, thinks this church ought to be called. Um, uh, I do love that Shepherd's Farewell Carol, the Berlioz, but how good also to sing a proper Yorkshire carol. Kate Rusby would be very proud of us and our sweet chiming bells. Uh, just for the record, I am a keen football supporter. No spoilers, please. Uh, I am very much hoping uh, that Messi and Argentina uh, will triumph this afternoon, but that is the last World Cup reference there will be in this sermon. Um, so our second, third, third Bible reading this evening told the story of the so-called Annunciation, the occasion when the Archangel Gabriel appeared to Mary to announce to her that she was to become the mother of Jesus. So to begin with, let me share with you my all-time favorite cartoon. It was not meant for wide circulation, and I can only hope that the artist, now presumably middle-aged, would not mind that I'm using it. It was drawn at a primary school in the mid-1990s. Center stage is a table loaded, steaming with hot food, which I suppose Mary has prepared. And you can see Mary to the right with a baby in a thought bubble over her head. And hovering over the table to the left, bouquet in hand, is Gabriel. The little bird doesn't actually feature in the Bible story, but it is a nice touch, as I think you'll agree. Then comes the text. I hope you're ready for this. One day, Mary was praying to God when Gabriel, the angel, flew through the window and said, I have good news for you, Mary. You're going to have a baby. He is going to be called Jesus. He will be the Son of God. But I am a virgin, said Mary. Not anymore, you're not, <laughs> said Gabriel. Year three, I believe. Uh, now down to business. Um, my wife, Kathy, and I are the proud grandparents of three very fabulous granddaughters, all under five. So for pretty much the entire period we've been living in Sheffield, Christmas has involved the arrival at some point in the week before December the 25th of a car piled high with baby kit. A car seat and a buggy, a change mat and packs of nappies, a sterilizing unit and feeding bottles, a mountain of vests and baby grows, and so on. But neither of our two boys have ever brought in the car a manger. After all, what right-thinking parent would ever place a newborn baby in a manger? Well, I suppose the answer is a parent in a crisis. Away in a manger, no crib for his bed, the little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the night sky looked down where he lay, the little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. It is such a familiar detail, such a fixed part of the nativity story, that it's actually easy to overlook it and to overlook its meaning. 
So this afternoon, it's on the Christmas manger that I want to focus. And I want to pick up the part of the Christmas story we heard in our fifth and sixth readings tonight from the second chapter of the Gospel according to Luke. Reading five featured Mary and Joseph. It was set in a shed somewhere in Bethlehem town centre where the baby Jesus was born. Reading six featured the shepherds. It was set in fields somewhere outside the town where they were watching their flocks by night and were suddenly surprised by an angel and a heavenly host rejoicing that a saviour had been born. And the detail which links those two readings and binds them together is the description of the infant wrapped in strips of cloth and laid in that manger. For the next 15 minutes, I want to say a brief word about each of those two readings in turn. I want to ask first what that manger might have meant to Mary and to Joseph. And then secondly, I want to ask what it might have meant to the shepherds. And I hope in the process we might get a glimpse of what that manger can mean for you and for me as well. First of all then, um, scene one, the birth of Jesus itself. What might that have been like for Mary and Joseph? Personally, I have no doubt that they were real people going through a real experience. That child may have been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and Mary and Joseph may both have received visits from angels telling them that their son was to be the savior of the world, but for all that, this was a real pregnancy, and in most respects, an ordinary pregnancy. And I'm convinced that Mary and Joseph will have prepared, as parents always prepare, for the arrival of a first baby. Like any woman, Mary will have been counting down the months, the weeks, the days. She will have imagined herself giving birth at home, in Nazareth, among family and friends, with her own mother maybe, or sisters or aunts, or the local midwife in attendance. I bet that's how Mary pictured it. And Joseph will have had his own expectations also. He he may not have been the biological father, but I bet he was determined to be the best stepdad any child could have. And I can see him decorating the nursery or doing whatever about-to-be-dads did in those days. And being a carpenter, I bet he made a cot. And I bet he lavished on it every last ounce of his professional skill and care. But then came news that the Roman emperor had ordered a census for which they had to travel to Bethlehem right when the baby was due. Ah well, they tell each other, we'll only be away a week. It's three days there, three days back, and one day to register in. And in any case, first babies are often late. And if the worst comes to the worst, surely we'll find somewhere warm and comfortable in Bethlehem. But as they're approaching their destination, Mary goes into labor. When our first son was born, five weeks early, Kathy's waters broke while we were away from home for the weekend visiting friends. She came to me in a panic to let me know what had happened. And I'm ashamed to say that as if I knew more about it than she did, I told her it was probably just indigestion. That night, she was rushed across Lincolnshire Fens in an ambulance to get her to the nearest hospital with me chasing behind in our little car. 
it all ended well enough, and that Prem baby is now over 30 years old. But as Mary first mentions her stomach pains, I picture Joseph thinking to himself, Lord, let it just be indigestion, please. Let it just be indigestion. And the moment they enter Bethlehem, they know they're in trouble. If you go to the supermarket at some point in the next week and it's heaving, you'll know from the outset that you're going to struggle to find a short queue at the checkout. Well, this would have been like that for Mary and Joseph. As soon as they see how busy the streets in Bethlehem are, their hopes of finding a cheap and comfortable B&B disappear. They try a couple of places and sure enough, they're full. They keep on looking, but all the time, Mary's labor is advancing and then it's an, it's an emergency and the moment comes for the baby to be born and suddenly Mary and Joseph will accept anything. All their hopes and careful plans go out of the window. They'll settle now for having this child in Bethlehem among strangers when they would much rather have had it at home in Nazareth. And they'll settle for having this baby in a shed, although they would much rather have found rooms in a guest house. But then later... When the panic is over and the baby's arrived and it's clear that Mary and Jesus are safe, they'll make do with laying him in a manger, in an animal's feeding trough, when they would much rather have laid him in a purpose-built crib. So just picture Mary and Joseph in that moment as calm returns, gazing down at that newborn baby. I wonder what you suppose they were feeling. Relief, surely. Thankfulness, certainly. But I'm guessing relief and gratitude tinged with regret. Just think how reluctantly any parent would place a newborn baby in a manger from which animals have just been feeding. Can't you see Joseph standing over that manger in this temporary accommodation Remembering the crib he'd so lovingly built in Nazareth, shaking his head and whispering, I'm sorry, son. It wasn't meant to be like this. This evening, for us, this is part of the meaning of that manger. At the midpoint of Luke's Christmas story, it stands for all those times in our lives when we find ourselves shaking our heads in regret and disappointment and saying in a wistful sort of a way, it wasn't supposed to be like this. So I wonder what sort of a year 2022 has been for you. Probably for most of us, it's been the year of steeply rising prices. For even the wealthiest of us, it's been a year of reviewing standing orders and subscriptions. For the least wealthy among us, it's been the year of juggling heating and eating. Last January, most of us were hoping 2022 would be a spacious year, a year in which we could put the pandemic behind us, and there has been some of that, thank God. But there's also been war in Ukraine, and now high inflation, and now strikes. And so it's very likely that at some point this year, you have stood shaking your head in regret and disappointment at the disruption you have had to face. I'd be surprised if there's anyone here who's not had to deal with sorrow and regret at some point in the past 12 months. And if you haven't, you will certainly know those who have. So at this halfway point in Luke's story of the birth of Jesus, that manger stands for all the times when we have had to say, no, 
This is not what I wanted. This is not how I expected things to turn out. Or even, sorry, that's not what I intended, not what I was trying to achieve. It stands for all those times when life takes a bitter turn, when events unfold in a way we would not have chosen, when we have had to settle for less than we had hoped for, or when we've given others less than we had hoped to. But thankfully, that is just the halfway point in Luke's story. And this evening, afternoon, it's important to go on to ask, what did the manger mean to the shepherds? Reading five closes in that shed as Mary and Joseph gaze down at the newborn Jesus wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. And reading six opens in some nearby fields where those shepherds are watching their flocks. Of course, they didn't know it was Christmas Eve. There was nothing special about that night. They didn't go out to work with any great sense of expectation. It was just another shift for them. But at the quietest, darkest hour of the night, as they slept or chatted and minded their own business, the sky suddenly lit up with the glory of the Lord, and an angel appeared to them out of a blue. Don't be afraid. I've got good news for you. It's going to bring great joy to everyone. This very day in David's town, a Savior has been born, Christ the Lord. And here is the sign. You'll find that baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. So what does the manger mean for the shepherds? How is it good news? How does it bring great joy? Well, maybe in two ways. In the first place, the manger is given to the shepherds as a sign that the message of the angel is true. The shepherds will know that this baby is not just any baby, but is truly the savior of the world when they see him wrapped in rags and lying in an animal's feeding trough. That is such an unlikely scenario that it will serve as a guarantee for the shepherds. How wonderful that the very thing, that manger, which is a source of regret to Mary and Joseph, is turned now into a sign of salvation to bring joy to the shepherds. But the manger is more than just a proof or a guarantee for the shepherds that the message of the angel is true. The manger is a sign not just that Jesus really will be the savior of the world, it's a sign of the sort of savior he would be, a savior who takes precisely those parts of our lives which don't work out as we might have hoped and brings out of them, yes, even joy. That's the good news. You see, in adulthood, sure enough, the ministry of Jesus was the sort of ministry his birth had suggested it would be. A ministry lived out among the poor, not the rich. A ministry to the margins of the society, not the mainstream. A ministry to the despised, not to the respectable. And when Jesus died, he died the sort of death the manger had suggested he might. A death not in comfort, but in pain. Not in triumph, but in apparent defeat. It was this Jesus, the manger Jesus, the crucified Jesus, who was raised by God from the dead to hold out to each one of us the hope that in this Savior, the manger Savior, every tear will be finally wiped away and every wrong put right. In fact, this is just the point. Jesus is not less of a Savior 
because he was born in a cow shed and died upon a cross. He is all the more the sort of savior we need, the sort who knows our disappointments and regrets and brings his salvation to the very part of our lives, the very parts of our world where there is the greatest sadness and pain. The sort of savior who knows all about our failings and our weaknesses and brings forgiveness to the very parts of our lives and the very parts of our world where there is the greatest guilt and remorse. In the end for me, this is the meaning of that manger. It is a sign of the sort of savior Jesus came to be. Which is just as well really, because this is exactly the sort of savior we need. The sort of savior our climate threatened, pandemic ravaged, war torn, world needs. The sort of savior our deeply divided, strike-hit nation needs. The sort of savior our trodden-down region needs. Maybe even the sort of savior you yourself know you need. Friends, at the heart of the good news that Christians celebrate at Christmas is this truth that no matter how far you may feel, you have wandered away from God, it is only ever one step back. No matter how far you may feel you have wandered away from God, it is only ever one step back. It's only ever one step back, not just because there is a savior, but because Jesus is the sort of savior who was born in a manger, a savior born to meet each and every one of us at our point of greatest need. And for him to be your savior, all it takes is for you to count yourself in. To count yourself in alongside Mary and Joseph as they welcome the savior with all the love in their hearts. To count yourself in alongside the shepherds as they worship the savior and give praise and glory to God. No matter how far you may feel you have wandered away from God, it's only ever one step back. And I suppose tonight, I just want to ask you the question, won't you count yourself in? And if this evening your answer to that question is, yes, yes, I will count myself in, and if that's a new thought for you, and maybe even a surprising thought to you, then I'd like to offer you a couple of things that you could do as symbols of taking that step back to God. First, if you'd welcome a safe place in which to explore what it might be like to live as a follower of Jesus, you might like to take part in something called Alpha. Um, Alpha is a hugely popular, tried and tested forum for conversation, friendship and exploration in which over refreshments people have the chance to ask questions and contribute to discussion about life, the universe and everything. And there are not one, but two opportunities to take part in Alpha here at All Saints in the new year. And there are details on flyers like this, which Mark and I will distribute at the door. Just take one uh, as you leave. Uh, or secondly, if you're a reader and you think that taking something home to read with you tonight might feel like the right step, then come and find Mark and me by the door as you leave, and you're welcome to a free copy of a short booklet with no strings attached. It's called Why Christmas, and it's by uh, the author of Alpha. Uh, but can I be clear? 
If you are already a committed member of this church, or indeed a guest here this evening, but a committed follower of Jesus already, this free booklet is not available for you. This free booklet is for anyone who's looking for an action that they can take tonight, which will feel like a turning point for them, a way of saying yes to Jesus, yes to God. But if that's you, please don't hesitate to ask for a copy. You'll make my day. I'm going to stop. I'm going to finish by um, quoting uh, the, the words um, of the only carol we've sung this evening, which I did not recognize. Uh, you'll find it on the inside middle uh, left-hand page. Um, I'm going to quote these words um, as a prayer, uh, and it may be at the end, at the end of um, the prayer, I'll say amen as we conventionally do. Um, but, but, but it may be that, that that's actually all you need to do to count yourself in to take that step back to God this evening is to say amen to this prayer as I pray it. I'm going to say the last four lines of the second verse, the last four lines of the third verse, and then amen. Let us pray. Blessed Savior, Christ most holy, in a manger thou didst rest. Canst thou stoop again and lower and bide within my breast? Enter then, O Christ most holy, make a Christmas in my heart, make a heaven on my manger. It is heaven where thou art. Amen. Now may the joy of the angels and the eagerness of the shepherds, the perseverance of the wise men and the love of Mary and Joseph the peace of the Christ child and the good news of his manger be with you this Christmas. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen.